Hello everyone, welcome to the Maitri show Between Friends. In this show, we will be talking about different issues related to intimate partner violence, family violence and abuse, gender-based violence and power dynamics in relationships. The goal of our show is to engage our community members in addressing and challenging those harmful social and cultural conditions norms that make intimate partner violence, family violence and abuse and other gender-based violence acceptable. We believe our show Between Friends will mobilize our community in ending victim blaming and preventing violence and abuse in partner and familial relationships. In each episode, we will be providing insights and resources that will not only help victims and survivors, but also educate our community members about these issues these resources that are available in the community so that they can help someone in need. Tune in every Saturday from 3 to 4 p.m. on Radio Zindagi to listen to the Maitri show Between Friends. You can also find all episodes of Maitri's Between Friends on our website, Maitri Bay Area Facebook page and on SoundCloud. Don't miss our show. You can email your suggestions and feedback to us at maitri at maitri.org, M-A-I-T-R-I. Together, we can end domestic violence, intimate partner violence, and gender-based violence. I'm your host, Nandini Ray. Today, we will be addressing and identifying the correlation between gender inequality and intimate partner violence. Does gender inequality increase the risk of intimate partner violence? To discuss this important question today, we have Sonia Pelia with us. Sonia is the Maitri board president, a gender equality activist. She has been with Maitri for over 26 years and worked with many survivors of domestic violence. She runs a parallel career track as a C-level marketing executive in B2B high-tech companies in the Silicon Valley, and she is the recipient of numerous awards. Welcome to our show, Sonia. Thank you so much, Nandini. I am really thrilled and honored to be on the program. This is a wonderful moment for Maitri where we have our own radio program. Thank you to the team. You know, Sonia, I'm so excited that uh, we are doing this uh, show um, for the community and on this very important community issue. Um, you know, domestic violence is a dark topic and no one wants to talk about it. But if you see the statistics, it's scary. According to the National Domestic Violence um, Hotline, on average, 24 people per minute are victims of rape, physical violence, or stalking by an intimate partner in this country. On average, 24 people per minute is huge. And it's, I think it's high time that we as a community member, we, we need to do something. We need to start thinking deeply about this issue and we need to try to find out a solution. So let's start with a question that I have in mind today. Um, that is, does gender inequality increase the risk of intimate partner violence? Do you think so? You raise a very interesting point, Nandini. In the last 29 years of Maitri, we have come so far and yet we have so much further to go along. And the one of the good things that's happened in the academia, in uh, 
our community, in other parts of the world, people are beginning to understand that there is a serious problem. The statistic you mentioned is staggering. And two interesting studies have come out talking about the link between gender inequality and IPV, intimate partner violence. And, you know, sometimes people say, oh, it's not in the South Asian community, maybe it's in the mainstream. But the two studies that I found very fascinating, one was based in India and what, or South Asia, and the other was done in the European Union. And both the studies found that patriarchal cultures and cultures where there is tremendous amount of gender inequality, there is much higher levels of IPV and much more draconian forms of IPV. Interestingly, India is one of the countries where gender inequality at the workplace will take a thousand years to catch up. In the US, it's something like, I believe, 78 years. And when you start tying all of these pieces together, it starts to make sense why there is so much domestic violence or IPV in almost every culture that we know of. Thank you, Sonia, for sharing um, this kind of research and research findings. I'm happy that at least people are thinking about these things seriously and about this issue seriously and doing something about it. Um, you know, gender inequality is uh, is prevalent uh, in our society, and everywhere you see, you will find gender inequality. Um, and most of the time, um, our relationship often measures this uh, norms. I have a friend who has twins, boy and girl. They're same age, same parents, same household. But I have noticed that what they are asking to do, the girls, they're not asking to do that same thing with boys. And and sometimes I feel why. I mean, they. I'm sure they love their children equally. But there are some norms, some cultural restrictions are there that, oh, you are a girl, you have to do this thing. Like kitchen work. Uh, they ask their girl to, their daughter to do that, but uh, their son is watching TV. How do we bring equity into our relationship uh, if it is all around us? Media, you know, uh, our cultural upbringing, everything is telling us, oh, this is um, girl's job. Girls' role. This is boys' job, boys' role. You bring up a really interesting point, Nandini. I think the cultural norms are so inculcated in all of us, so inculcated through popular media, through our uh, religious tenets, religious teachings, perhaps, through messages that we get from our families again and again. That I think for most people, they are not even aware sometimes of the gender biases they're bringing into their relationships, whether with their partner or with their children. And then when you layer in the fact that we are an immigrant community and we have come to a new culture, which is very different from our own culture, the food, the language, the expectations we have of each other, and now you've added more complexity to the situation. And one of the things that I wonder about, and I know this has been discussed by many of us, that how much self-examination do we do? Are we really caught in the bunkers of the decade that we arrived in this country? 
are we making our homes such that every morning our partner and our children cross a boundary, a border? They leave the house, they enter a foreign country. In the evening, they come back, they enter another country. Is this what we are doing? And how many of us are aware of this? I think to make any important systematic change in culture, society, community, our own personal relationships, we need to take a really good hard look at our own biases and question even if we don't think they are biases. So the example you give of your friends where the son is watching TV, I can give you a really interesting example. Dating is prohibited for some of the people I know. Their sons are allowed to date, but the girls are not allowed to date. So I asked one day a friend of mine, why was her son having a girlfriend and the daughter, well, she didn't have a boyfriend or she didn't in, was not interested? And my friend said, uh, we don't trust the boys here. So did she include her son in this, that her son has freedom to do whatever he feels like, whereas her, her daughter is never given the confidence to be the fullest person that she is? So I think people, when they say these things, I don't think they look at it in a black and white situation. Just because something has been done forever doesn't make it right. And I would encourage everyone listening to us today to say the next action you do with your partner, with your children, your friend, your niece, your nephew, is it gender biased? Is this something you're saying because it's a boy or a girl? But question yourself. Think about what you're saying. Think about what are you telling your children, your partner? What expectations do you have? Are they all mixed up in terms of adopting the best parts of this culture and not expecting to change? Well, sometimes I wonder that people um, act on gender bias without even consciously thinking that they are doing any bias. Do you think so? Or they are doing whatever uh, they are learning generation after generation that it is cultural norm, it is social norm, and we have to work, um, I mean, you know, as a uh, mom, I, I will teach my daughter something, but that teaching, I'm not even thinking of teaching my boy. Like, I will ask my girl that, hey, learn how to cook, because you have to cook when you will have family. Maybe I'm not teaching my son like that. But are we doing it unconsciously because it is our cultural training? I think to change is very hard. I think to realize the thoughts that you had or the cultural conditioning you have is not right. I think it's a really difficult thing to do. I consider myself as a feminist. I was a feminist when I was 13 years old. I didn't know there was a word called feminist. My father was a huge feminist and he made all of his daughters feminists. But sometimes when I am in a situation where perhaps gender roles are being discussed, I notice that I don't speak up. And why don't I speak up? I should speak up and say, I don't think this is right. The reason people are afraid to go against the norms is they think people won't like them, perhaps. Perhaps they think that people will judge them. But I think if we want to change this, we all need to be fearless. You're right. It's so hard to break the rigid gender role expectation. It's really hard, especially in our community. I know someone who told me that 
uh, you know, and surprisingly, the story I'm going to share that the lady is an engineer, and she and her husband both are engineer, both are earning, um, you know, same salary, uh, but uh, when they are uh, coming back from their work. Uh, the, the expectation is different for uh, for the wife and the husband. And the lady told me that my mother-in-law, she's not even here. She's from uh, another country. And she's calling her son and telling that, what are you making tea? What are you changing diaper? What's wrong with you? You are a man. What, what is um, your wife doing? Uh, they don't understand that both um, both of us are doing um, you know kind same kind of job both our expectation from our offices are same but when he is back from his office he is allowed to do whatever he wants to do and I am not even allowed to do anything what I feel doing and on top of that uh, that kind of long distance abuse is creating um, a stress in our relationship. And sometimes um, he gets um, verbally abusive and one or two times even physically, physical abuse happens. Um, and it's, it's uh, so uh, sad. And, and she also um, told me that, you know, forget about my mother-in-law who uh, has been provoking uh, her son um, to, to punish me or to um, talk to me uh, or to teach me what is my duty. Once I shared my uh, feeling with my own mom, my own mother, and she told me that, you know, um, you are a wife, you are a mother, and um, it is your duty to make hot roti for your husband every day when he is back from his office. It is your duty to take care of your children. Um, and I was like thinking that, why is that? This is a little like, but why people don't understand that culture can change. Culture can change based on uh, socio-political uh, atmosphere. What is um, happening in India or Pakistan or um, Bangladesh may not happen. You know, I, I'm, I don't know how to articulate this thing because um, I'm from India. And in India, um, upper middle class or middle class family, they can afford maid. They can afford a chauffeur for their... Uh, car, but here you have to do everything and what's wrong if your husband is helping you in your household chores or taking care of your children um, so why this is not uh, accepted in in many of our um, in households you raised so many points nandini in that question and story that we probably could spend the next three or four shows unpacking what you have just said I think that when you have a culture clash or a gender clash where women in a generation have become wage earners and they have become wage earners at these levels which have put them at parity, at least some of them, not everyone, at some of them at parity with men, the old order is threatened. And the old order is threatened because here you have women who are taking decisions, they become software engineers, they are directors at companies. And this is true of the home countries too. It's not just here that women are highly educated. And yet, the previous generations perhaps have not moved with that time. 
So there is a lot of stress in that. I think even having a maid or a chauffeur is not relevant perhaps as much to the question of gender inequality um, or gender parity. It's the expectations we hold. If you look at the culture that our grandmothers or our great-grandmothers grew up, they were not educated, they stayed at home. A blessing in, at least in India, I am from India myself, is may you be the mother of a hundred sons. Why not be, may you be the mother of a hundred daughters? If you consider the fact that in India, when you leave your natal home to get married and you move to your husband's home, it is said that, you know, only now your arthi or your deathbed should leave your husband's house. So there is so much of this kind of old back traditional, this is how we've done things and this is how things should happen. But it sounds like when men try to change, they are still being encompassed in the patriarchy, being told change is bad for them. Mm. But what if we looked at the statistics? South Asian teens here in the US have the highest suicide rates of all teenagers. Men have four times higher suicide rates than women. What is bringing all of this up? It's not happiness. It's not living the best lives they can. If a, if a couple, let's say a heterosexual couple, for the example that you have mentioned, if the two of them are walking hand in hand, how come when they reach the house, that link is broken between them and they are supposed to get into gender roles? I don't think he can be happy either expecting his wife to perform these activities or actions, whereas he wants to help her. So I think uh, for me, when I look at what people expect of gender roles, what wives should do, good wives should do, good sons should do, good sons-in-law should do. These are all putting so much pressure without providing any kind of support, any kind of opening for them to be vulnerable, to say, I value listening to music. I want to be a musician, perhaps. I want to be a partner, equal partner. I want to change my child's diapers. I want to uh, be the father that I did not have. And yet you have all of these societal pressures and including his own mother, pushing him into a box, into a box that perhaps worked, though I'm honestly not sure whether it even worked in those times. Uh, I remember both my grandmothers saying to me, and they were both uneducated, uh, one grandmother could read at the fourth grade level and the other grandmother could not read at all. And they both said, in my next life, I would like to go to college. I would like to be a man. I would like to get educated. I'd like to have a job. So clearly people have aspirations. They don't want to be boxed into these expectations, which are very toxic in the end. Would I be happy if I had been home earlier than my husband and he comes in after a 12-hour working day and I sit on the couch and say, hey, you need to make tea and dinner now. Um, or if I get home after a 12-hour day and he's sitting on the couch and says, well, now you need to make dinner and tea for me. I think partnerships and relationships are really that. Yeah, you are so right, Sonia. Mutual 
understanding, mutual respect and love, these are the foundation of a healthy relationship. Don't you think so? Absolutely. And I always am amazed when people think, say to me, uh, I'm not a feminist because I don't think men and women are equal. And when you start unpacking it and when you ask them, does that mean that you will take the lesser role in your relationship? And they'll say, no, because I want to have a partnership. If you want a partnership, there is give and take. You can't always say if I, you want equality, then the man needs to be only nurturing towards you or taking care of you. But you can also be nurturing towards the man and take care of him. It can be both ways. And that's a partnership. That's a relationship. It had begun even before the wedding. Just after our engagement when we first went out. I had just smiled at the waiter who brought us our coffees and Rajesh became so angry. I tried to tell him I was just being polite, but he wouldn't listen. This rage came back to tear apart our children's lives. We got married and this is when life really became a nightmare for me. His temper ranged from, from calling me horrible names to throwing and breaking things to frighten me to hitting me with things to slamming me against the wall or the car or whatever was nearby. So Sonia, uh, so far we have been discussing what the correlation between gender inequality and uh, IPV, uh, but intimate partner violence. So now I think let's start our conversation toward IPV, understanding intimate partner violence. Because many times um, I've seen that People, when you are talking about domestic violence, intimate partner violence, they uh, understand the violence part. They, if there is physical violence, uh, they um, understand that it is happening because it is uh, easy to prove if you have broken ribs, black eyes. But there are more uh, types of abuse and violence in relationship that uh, many times hard to prove in court and hard to show to. Your, even your friend, uh, your best friend. Um, so how people should, uh, how people can identify um, abuse in their relationship? I think for our community in particular, as you said, it's always been the physical violence. And uh, so verbal abuse, emotional abuse, uh, financial control, long distance abuse, isolation has been always minimized. And I think people don't realize how much damage can happen over the course of time with, for example, let's take verbal abuse. If somebody is telling you you're ugly, you're not worth anything, you are stupid, uh, you don't say anything smart, and if somebody gives this message to you day in and day out, eventually you will start believing them. Not just eventually, probably pretty soon you'll start believing them. Let's say that somebody is emotionally abusing you, withholding affection, uh, saying you they don't like you, they don't love you anymore, they don't love the children. These are very systematic abuses which cause 
PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress syndrome, they actually have adverse health uh, reactions. And in children in particular, there is an ACE index, which is adverse childhood experiences, which measures the impact on your health when you're a young adult based on the abuse you suffered as a child. And a lot of times these children have suffered emotional, verbal abuse and not physical abuse. But let's think about the lens of being an immigrant in this country. Financial control. What if your partner is controlling all of your resources, refuses to give you a credit card, you don't have a checkbook, you don't have cash on you, and yet you have a job? How do you navigate through this with any kind of sense of security, confidence, and to be the best you can be? And you know what, I'm just sorry to cut you off here, but you know, sometimes we have seen that verbal abuse especially, it is so normalized in relationship. It's culturally normalized. And sometimes I, I was talking to uh, someone and she told me that, you know, I have seen my dad yelling at my mom every time, every day. So that is normal in relationship, isn't it? So I was, I was, you know, thinking that is it really? I, I don't think so. What do you think? It is normalized, and I'll tell you the other spectrum of it. You're you're talking about somebody yelling at another person, and constantly. It's not yes. That, yeah. One time it's repeated. And uh, one uh, when I first joined May Three, we had a volunteer who was killed by her husband, and then he killed himself and left two young children behind. And the reporter, the Indian reporter who interviewed me said, he must have loved her so much that he could not let her go. Oh my God. We are not in a movie. We are not in a fantasy drama. This is real life. This is how normalized violence is. And one we didn't even touch on, marital rape. Yes, there is a thing called marital rape. What if your partner forces you to have sex against your will just because you are in a marriage with somebody or you're in a long-term relationship with somebody? That is marital rape. That is intimate partner violence of the worst kind. This is somebody you love, you trust, you, are, you have a life together and yet, yet is inflicting this huge amount of violence on you. So. I think it's so important for people to understand that IPV, intimate partner violence or domestic violence, doesn't begin and end with physical violence. There is financial control, there is immigration control. What if your children were born here and you weren't and you don't have a way to work here? You will be held hostage in the situation here because you can't leave your children and move back to the home country. That is another form of violence, right? It's the green card club. Uh, I remember this was a phrase used by one of the Latina women a long time ago saying, this happens to Mexican women who come from Mexico here. I think it happens in, to all immigrant women. I know that at May 3, we experience this all the time, where women don't have possession of their legal documents, and they are caught in this uh, horrific situation of isolation and abuse, and they can't see a way out. So, so frustrating. You know what? Um, I see many times uh, children, if they see things, they think that is the normal thing. I mean, 
sometimes if you go to some uh, someone's house and if you see there are lot of gender biases gender inequality present in that household and that it is i mean i'm pretty sure that those children think that is normal to treat your um, sister this way or that way and treat your brother this way or that way and that thing is the, it's a learned behavior and exactly same with um, ipv don't you think so like whenever one um, child is seeing domestic violence uh, happening every day um, at home and it is possible that they think that it is normal and it is normal in marital relationship and and they learn um, that that relationship as uh, as normal behavior what do you think sonia absolutely um in fact i think there was a study done uh, with the santa clara county many years ago which found out that um 88% of the batterers stopped hitting after they were taught that physical violence is wrong so clearly it's a learned behavior but i remember one case we had uh, a south asian woman and she had a 7 year old son and the point which she left the husband with the son was when the son started calling her the same name and saying the same exact things that the father was saying to the mother and then she lived in our transitional house for a year and a half and i remember we had a male volunteer and uh, he would meet them on the weekends to show positive masculinity how men behave how real men behave as gentlemen not as that and it was very interesting because the 7 year old really worshiped his father and uh, would say to the volunteer that uh, well my father says this or my father believes this so my father says this to my mother and this volunteer of ours gorav would say well that's not how real men behave and it was interesting over the course of a year and a half that this boy actually completely turned around his behavior now think of this that you have a child you have a boy and a girl perhaps two boys maybe i don't know uh, children growing up in a house where the father is only verbally abusive not even physically abusive and is abusive to the children is abusive to the mother is abusive to his own mother maybe who knows right what relationship building are they learning what are they understanding the dynamics of a relationship you undermine people you say nasty things to them you disrespect people verbally so it's learned behavior and how can you teach respect how can you teach gender parity if your children are growing up in that atmosphere and i know so many women who call maitris or even men for that matter call and say i don't want to break my relationship i want to stay in the relationship because of the children not realizing how much damage is being done to those children and how they will perpetuate ipv in their own relationships i think as adults community members we have huge responsibility to set up good role models for our children and to uh, as you said over and over that open communication and learn um, what they are thinking about our relationship with uh, them with uh, the family with the 
in school, in, in the community, um, and uh, what do they think that are they are they uh, do they think that they are safe, they are um, loved, and you know what? Um, it takes a village to raise our children. Uh, you were talking about individual, um, what we can do as a um, community member, that's very much, you know, needed. But I also, um, I'm also sometimes uh, confused that I have two boys and the uh, messages they are getting from community, media, uh, from everywhere that if you are a man, man up. You, if you are a boy, be tough, be aggressive, be dominating, be uh, have power. So how can I, how can I, as a mother, how can I, you know, tell them that, oh, this is not true. If you, if you want to be a man, then be respectful to everybody and be happy. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sometimes very confused that how I uh, raise this awareness within the community that everyone uh, should be on the same page, uh, that everyone should work hard to uh, prevent gender violence, gender abuse, gender bias. I would say the first thing, I have a 19-year-old, by the way, and she just went to college a year ago. And the most interesting thing that happened for me uh, once uh, she was in our lives was to have these conversations. And they're not comfortable. But if you judge a child in a conversation, they will never open up again to you. And it happened with me once or twice where I realized I said something that was judgmental when she was sharing it with me. And I made a rule after that. So I would suggest for your sons, once a week, once every two weeks, you're in the car, you're driving them to their swimming class, you're driving them to uh, dance class. I don't know what your sons like, but something. And have a conversation about what do they think about gender roles? What do they think about gender relationships? Are there situations during the course of their day where they felt uncomfortable? Uh, and I think once you give the freedom to your children to realize that you will not judge them, you will not say, oh, stupid boy, and this is very popular in the South Asian culture, stupid boy, stupid girl, why did you say this? This is not what good girls say. This is not what good boys say. If you start having really open conversations, your sons will be empowered to teach others. Mm -hmm. And this is how you make change. It's not just one of us. Wonderful. Wonderful, Sonia. Yeah, please keep going. I was just sharing my uh, heart with you. And I noticed this with my nephews and niece. And I also have another nephew and niece who live somewhere in Sacramento. And it's interesting, once we were having this dialogue about you know, uh, bullying in schools, uh, the uniform expectations in schools, uh, how boys behave, how girls behave, etc., uh, etc. Et and I did not allow any of the parents in the room to speak. And I told them, I said, if any of you speak, I will ask you to leave the room. And at the end of 45 minutes, I cannot tell you how much knowledge and wisdom I gained from the five teenagers in that room talking about the stresses and the emotional weight on them from the horrible expectations that we set on our children. And we set them subconsciously. You know, we'll tell our daughter, yank your blouse up. We'll tell the boy, your jeans are very low. 
will tell the boy, don't put moose on your hair. I know these are small things I'm saying, but think of the number of times we say these to our children. If you have an honest dialogue with them, and sometimes they'll tell you things which you're not happy about, but then you have Google Baba, right? Google it and find out the right response to it. But open a dialogue. Open a dialogue with your partner. Open a dialogue with your nephew, your niece. Open a dialogue with your friend. If she says something really conservative, ask her to try and understand why she says this and present a different viewpoint. And I really think we can change people. I truly believe that. Otherwise, I wouldn't have stayed at Maitri for over 26 years now. If anyone is going through this kind of abuse and wants to seek help, what do they do? How do they seek help? I think there is so many now ways of getting help. It is very gratifying that at least there are so many ways you don't have to struggle on your own. I would say talk first to a trusted friend. Talk to a trusted neighbor. Talk to a trusted co-worker so that at least you have somebody who is listening to your story and can tell you that, no, you're not crazy. It's not in your head. You are really experiencing something wrong. You can, if you have access to the internet, you can Google our number. You can uh, contact not just us, but there are many domestic violence, intimate partner violence agencies that deal with these kind of crisis situations. You can, um, you know, look up online what are the signs. Are you in a dangerous situation? I will give two cautions. If you do talk to your doctor or your nurse, if you've had a physical uh, incidents of violence or marital rape and you talk to your physician, they are mandated reporters in California, which means they will call the police. And if you're not ready to leave the relationship or to um, get the police involved, uh, I would suggest a little caution there. And the same goes for 911. Now, the thing with 911 is if you call the police, they will they are required to take action. And I know it can be a challenge if you are not ready to take action. But if you are in a dangerous situation, it could be the way to get help very quickly. But I would suggest start talking out with friends, with somebody you trust who's not going to say, well, this is how relationships are. This is how South Asian relationships are. So what do you whacked you one? Uh, he's your husband. He wants to have sex with you. He can have sex anytime with you. These are not the people who are your trusted advisors. I would suggest, you know, um, there are five agencies in Santa Clara County, the domestic violence agencies, and uh, they are providing free and confidential help. So um, I think uh, people should call these agencies to uh, get some support and uh, their rights and their options. They can call Maitri and if they want to talk to someone in their own language, if you're a South Asian and if you want to uh, talk to someone in your own language who can understand your culture, call Maitri or other local agencies, whatever you think is doable for you. You don't even have to share your real name to discuss your cases with Maitri. So we're almost out of time and you know, I... I, I I wish we could continue this discussion for another four hours. Um, so last question I have for you. Do you have any 
um, suggestion for community members that what should they do um, in changing gender biased social and cultural norms uh, that support power dynamics in intimate partner relationships? I would say number one is we should treat our sons and daughters equally. And what I mean by equally, equal opportunity, equal expectations, equal responsibilities. We should talk about toxic masculinity all the time. What makes it toxic? It's not the man themselves, but it's the things we expect them to do. We should talk about openly with our children. What do they want to do? We should talk with our partner, whether your partner is your husband or your partner is your wife. What are your aspirations in life? Having this communication, having this always active in your, the back of your mind, in the front of your mind, when you have a conversation, are you encouraging people to be the best they can be? Rather than say, here's a box, please fit into it. Boys don't cry. Girls cry. Girls don't, can't bat. They throw like a girl. Girls wear pink. Boys wear blue. What if we stop talking about these things? And we started having the same expectations, the same values for both genders in our relationship. Um, Maise has been out in the community doing uh, prevention work, um, you know, addressing and identifying gender abuse, gender violence, uh, gender inequality. Um, so do you think that, um, I mean, I want you to share some history of community engagement aiming prevention. Uh, how has it changed? It's been so gratifying, I can't tell you. From where we started out with community engagement, addressing gender inequality, IPV, to now where we are. I still remember the first booth I went to. It was at the Gandhi Mela in San Francisco. I stood at that booth for eight hours with our flyers in multiple languages, with our helpline number, not one person out of the 5,000 people at that fair that day stopped by. I remember another one we did. Um, there was one of the other volunteers, Anu and I, were sitting and eating samosas. Finally, we gave up that anyone was going to come to our booth. And we were eating samosas and this guy comes up and he starts ranting at us. And, uh, you know, when you have a samosa in your mouth, it's kind of hard to swallow it quickly and give a response back. But we finally did, and that was the only engagement we had in eight hours. And now when we go and we talk about uh, gender inequality, we talk about elder, elder abuse, perhaps we talk about uh, how the community um, resources there are available, we literally get dozens of people stop by the booth, take flyers, ask us, how can they help us? They want to tell us, oh, you help my friend's cousin, you help my cousin's sister's friend's uncle's cousin, niece, something, something. But they want to engage in dialogue. They want to understand this problem. Why do we have this problem? And, you know, to make a societal change, that is the first step. And I think when we now go into the community, we do panels, we do workshops, we work with uh, religious organizations, I find that there is already a predisposition to listening to what we have to say, to understanding the challenges of gender inequality and where they lead to. So that has just been so 
gratifying and really so pleasant to be at that stage. So Marathi is seen as a trusted community agency, right? Absolutely. I remember 20 years ago when we tried to do our youth program. We've been trying to do the youth healthy communication, uh, gender inequality program for over 20 years. My daughter is 19 and a half, and I know that I started the program before she was born. And when we would go to colleges to do this program, you would be astonished by the number of 18, 19, 20 year old South Asians would not participate in the program. I still remember this young man at UC Berkeley. He sat through the entire workshop, and we had said to everyone, "You don't need to be a part of this workshop to talk about these topics." He stayed, and he kept the form, the exercise piece turned upside down on his desk. And I said, "You know, you don't need to be there." And he sat with his arms folded. But today, I know this is not how it is. When we do panels, we have this amazing program called Engaging Boys and Men that you can see on our Facebook page. We have constant requests from youth. We have young people so um, so enthusiastic about taking up the cause of gender inequality, dedicating their annual event at their high school, uh, their arangatram, uh, doing a fundraiser, uh, you know, showing up at events and saying, "How can I help? How can I be a part of it?" So clearly. we are not only a trusted source of information in the community but we've hit a chord with our youth which is where you can make substantial change and i would like to add here with men because we are getting calls from men that that the youth think that they have started trusting matrix that it's not an agency that is only helping women that can also help us men so they are also calling matrix isn't it and that to me is not just very heartening but i also feel sometimes very sad that men who are abused in intimate partner relationships don't feel safe to call us uh you know there is so much shame for them so much macho-ness involved so much judgment involved uh i can just imagine how agonizing it must be for them to admit to their friends or perhaps their parents or their siblings that they are being emotionally verbally and physically abused i remember this one gentleman that i worked with very uh, maybe 8 9 years ago and he said to me he said my mother said what kind of a man you are hit her back and he said i don't want to i don't want her to be abusive to me but i don't want to be abusive to her because she is the mother of my child I respect her. I want to be in an equal relationship. Here comes the gender role expectation. If you are a man, man up, be tough, be you know dominating, be aggressive. So that is the thing we have to address. We have to do something to stop gender bias, gender inequality, and gender role expectation. If, if it is toxic, then we must do something to prevent it. Don't don't you think so? Absolutely, and I think. the fact that we have this radio program now and people are listening to us i hope everyone who listens to us has at least one conversation in the next few days with a friend a sister a cousin their children and say this is what i learned and i think i don't want to be a part of gender inequality 
I will surely do have a conversation with my boys today. Thank you, Sonia. Thank you uh, for sharing your knowledge and experience uh, with uh, with us, with all community members. My pleasure, as always. And I hope that we will keep uh, doing this kind of show over and over and bringing perspective, different perspective to you. And keep sending us in any request. If you, if you want us to do any show on any topic, send us email at uh, maitri at maitri.org. The Maitri helpline number is one 888 maitri or one 862 अगर आप या कोई और जिसे आप जानते हैं जो घरेलू और डोमेस्टिक वायलेंस से गुजर रहे हैं कृपया मैत्री से संपर्क करें मैत्री की सेवाएं बिल्कुल मुफ्त और विश्वसनीय हैं। हमारी सेवाएं हिंदी पंजाबी मराठी गुजराती और अन्य दक्षिण एशियाई भाषाओं में उपलब्ध हैं। यू कैन कॉल अस मंडे टू फ्राइडे नाइन टू थ्री पी एम ऑन वन एट 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 सिक्स टू फोर एट सेवन फोर फॉर आफ्टर आवर्स लीव वॉइस मेल इन योर लैंग्वेज यू कैन ऑल्सो ई मेल अस एट मैत्री एम ए आई टी आर आई एट मैत्री डॉट ऑर्ग